You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel is all about encouraging men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to opening up discussions that most men aren't having, but you certainly don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel podcast is produced live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. You can find more information about the Real Men Feel movement at realmenfeel.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. This is a weekly program and your comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in the Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello, welcome to Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. Ah. Oh. It is a pleasure to have you joining me today. I am alone today. <sighs> Again, I am your host, Andy Grant. I am an author, coach, and speaker. And I'm doing this show, episode 63, tonight alone, because it was supposed to have happened <laughs> back on June 13th, 2017. But instead, I'm recording this uh, today, August 15th. This is a spur-of-the-moment, unannounced program. Um, Real Men Feel hasn't had a live show since June 6th. We were planning a three-week break in late June and over July 4th. Um, but since I canceled the June 13th show with just two hours notice to our guest, Jean Patrick Mayer, and my co-host, Apio Hunter, we never got to explain to you our planned three-week break. But, um, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Um, but... Uh, so, welcome back to Real Men Feel. This is the first show in nine weeks. I didn't invite anyone. I didn't promote this at all. I haven't even spoken to Apio since our last program in June. Real men feel alone, desperate, withdrawn, isolated, apathetic, miserable, and everything else. Real men feel like shit. Real men can feel like they aren't even real. Real men can question whether they are men. Real men feel or can feel disappointed disappointed in themselves. I know this is all true because that's how I've been feeling. I've been feeling this way for many months. So given that I've been completely out of touch, isolated and withdrawn, I thought I would show up today and talk about why. The why is that I gave up. I stopped. I was so disappointed 
in my circumstances, in my decisions, in my actions. So disappointed in myself and my life that I was just overwhelmed with so much negative emotion. On that June 13th day, I couldn't speak to, to anyone. I could not have hold, held it together. Um, even as anything close to what I'm doing right now, I couldn't have held it together to speak about anything except how absolutely shitty I felt. So again, with two hours notice, that show got canceled. And what was happening that, that very week um, was that my wife and I were really brushing and full of anxiety and uh, at least panic on my side to, to clean our house, to, to clear it out, to move things, to we're having weekends of yard sales in, in, in May uh, to get ready to, to put our house on the market. And uh, our agent really wanted to rush and have us, we had to be on the market by, by the middle of June to get the people moving for school and blah, blah, blah. So does that week, uh, I didn't want to do that. Neither my wife nor I wanted to sell the house. But uh, financial pressures um, were, felt like we didn't have an option. So to get ahead of it, that's what we're doing. So we're doing things that I didn't want to do. Um, I so did not want to be doing this that I injured myself in May. I sprained my right wrist and then I tore a muscle in my, my left forearm. So I was, you know, handicapped trying to move furniture and clean things and do stuff and because I didn't want to do it. I truly did not want to be moving forward on these paths of life that uh that were showing up for me <sighs> i had blogged about what was happening earlier this year in, in april and may i, had, I think it was in april i talked about my dark night of the soul and and wrote a blog post from my lowest point about how depressed and suicidal i was feeling but i yet I think I was depressed, but it was different. And I wasn't feeling suicidal and how this was different and willing to feel it all. And uh, another post about my dealing with my dad's um, battle with dementia and, and mourning the loss of him already because he wasn't my dad. I couldn't, I already lost the guy that I could talk to and I couldn't talk about these, these fears. I couldn't talk about the financial constraints. Um, I couldn't talk about how bad I was feeling. Because I didn't want it to trigger something in him. There's also ongoing um, some long-term unemployment and uh, my own failures to focus and take action on creating self-employment that would uh, carry us through financially. <sighs> so again, just uh, a real time of, of self-doubt, disappointment, feeling horrible, just lots of self-judgment, not seeing anything, any way out. Um, ended up uh, selling my pinball machines. I sold all my Metallica stuff. I sold all of my Kiss merchandise and materials. And the way I could do that was was kind of by being suicidal. Like, none of this matters. Take it away. Fine. Take that. Two bucks. I don't just don't care. I, it, it, you know, Buddha says that, you know, life is pain and pain comes from attachment. And I mean, there's going to be a better way to do it, but I, I detached from my stuff 
and it uh, it just somehow spiraled for me. I got through all of that by by detaching from life. Um, I knew I could not kill myself while my dad was still alive because I didn't want to put my wife into that position of having to deal with all of that. She had spent, uh, she spent two years caring for my dad and before that for my stepmother. So I was just going forward and she was making every decision. If she asked me to do something, I would try to do it. And if she asked me to do something, I didn't do a damn thing. So that show doesn't happen. And now we're in our planned three week break for having no real men feel. And again, now my house is being staged, people are coming to look at it. Um, I had to pack up everything, my, my fake wall and my light and all of that put away. And I still look like nobody lives in the house and every picture I have, every, every bit of identity and proof. That... So like I had to pack up proof that I was alive. <laughs> and the only way I knew how to deal with that at all was to not be alive, to, to see this as kind of my long exit ramp. It's actually four years ago today when I quit. Uh, corporate America to become a full-time coach and speaker and author. And it felt like such the right decision. It felt like the most right decision ever. And, and even now, I, I don't regret that. I just don't know what I did so wrong now along the way. Four years ago, I, I said that a safe, comfortable job just wasn't enough. I couldn't do that anymore. And now, for the last three months, you know, I'm desperately searching for a safe corporate America job. Yet, that still feels so gross and disappointing. I, I put little to no action into that. You know, going on job interviews while feeling so apathetic, while watching my dad die. I mean, I, I knew I wasn't gonna get anything from that. Although then I kept looking for signs and asking for support. And so I, I did have two companies that had long months and months of, of interviews and talking to people and finally getting to the point of, um, of nothing, of, of nothing being offered to me. But um, you know, towards the end of June, <sighs> so it's the end of June and, um, the house is being shown and Real Men Feel is on our, on our plan to break. And uh, my dog, Sadie, has three grand mal seizures in the middle of the night, three hours apart. And we had never seen anything like this. And we didn't know what the hell was going on. It was terrifying. And it, tell you, it felt like, uh, this sounds really fucking weird. 
felt like she chose to do that to, to make me feel something to have me like to have me be so concerned with her and focus just on her and for what the hell is going on to get me out of my own shit and uh, worked for a little while. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, uh, two things I love are movies and concerts and just, just to see how, again, how withdrawn and hiding and in hiding I've been. Uh, I haven't seen a single movie this summer. I had a, uh, supposed to see two concerts um one was seeing you two with, with a bunch of my bunch of my buddies um but that was the day after or the day of sadie's had us up all night and we we're at this emergency vet care and the the u2 show was that night and i was like i can't go i don't know if i have to put my dog down i didn't want to leave again i didn't want to leave Lori to be stuck with this decision and sitting at the vet all day and wondering if the dog is going to be all right or not so so uh again i blew a fat joe and um and a few days later it's my birthday and uh feeling old for the first time because of the muscle injuries in may i haven't been to the gym at all i can't do anything which just adds to my misery and apathy and everything sucks and woe is me and my never-ending pity party keeps adding to it so worst birthday ever i think uh worst fourth of july ever did nothing uh, then the next day my my dad's dog is at doggy daycare and another dog attacks him and um sustains grievous injuries to his chest and lungs and he's brought to the same <laughs> all-night animal emergency vet that Sadie was just at and uh Lori and I have to go there and we had to put him down <sighs> at the same time we're told that my dad's prognosis is rapidly decreasing and in June we're told he had uh um you know six to eight months uh July 1st it was weeks and then it was days and um, just seeing that all happen was just horrible. He would not know who he is sometimes. Each day was just like a different person. And we were fighting to have him stay in his home, his own home, which is what he always wanted. Never wanted to be in a nursing home or anything like that. But he would be getting violent and belligerent. And we we're wondering, is he going to be able to, are we going to be able to do this? Uh, but then he quickly just, again, changed, just seemingly overnight, became very passive. And um, the day we had to put his dog down was one of the last days he was like conscious and able to communicate. Um, so he was quickly just, you know, unconscious and in bed for the, um, for the second whole week of July. And uh, we're just waiting and watching every day, just waiting for him to die. And I had been wanting him to pass for quite a while um, to make it easier for him. Make it easier on me to make it easier for Lori. So I thought when he finally died, it was it wasn't going to be a big deal. Um, I was wrong. <laughs> so he died on July twelfth. 
And um, we had had energy workers and people helping us out, leading up to it. And uh, <sighs> one of the toughest things about my dad's passing was that I was told that he was sticking around because he was worried about me. And I needed to tell him that I was okay. I needed to tell him that I was okay so he could move on. And I couldn't do it. I knew I was very suicidal at that time. I hadn't admitted it to anyone else. I don't know if my wife was aware of how bad it was then or not. I'd just been holding on to, to his death as this milestone. I just get that far and then we'll see what happens. And I, I, I'll either get worse or I'll get better. And that next day after he died was we had concert tickets for Joan Jett in Boston. And we didn't even realize it till after days later. So that was another, the next concert that I missed. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to saying anymore. And during this time, seeing my dad, seeing my dad die, seeing him and my stepmother before him, it worked. They were able to die at home. They were taken care of all because of the actions of Lori. Um, my stepmother didn't have any children of her own. I'm, my only, I'm the only child of, of my dad. He's got brothers and sisters, but you know they weren't. They weren't there taking care of him or anything. It was all uh, Lori and, and the caretaker that she found and, and hired, and she was there every day. And I couldn't. I I hated it. I. Uh, the last time I was alone with my dad, he just kept saying, help me, help me, help me over and over. And I, I couldn't take it. So my dad's gone. I'm, uh, I'm a lot more. <laughs> A lot more upset than I expected. I'm feeling the grief of all the time that I I couldn't talk to him anyway. Now it's really official. Feeling the grief from my stepmom because she died, and then we just had to start taking care of him. There was no time to to take any of it in. And back of my stepmom was this whole sense of betrayal and all this. She just she had lied to us about you know, finances being taken care of and money coming to us and money coming to my dad. And then it just wasn't fucking true. And that, so that all that hurt had to be kind of ignored and bottled up for a while because I couldn't talk to about it. My dad, he didn't, cause he would just, you know, freak out and there's not, nothing anyone can do about it. So, <sighs> but during this time, during oh, last month in July, I'm starting, I think for the first time, you know, regretting not having kids. And I was like, uh, you know, seeing people die alone. I'm wondering, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that. 
I don't want to be that. Who's going to take care of me? I don't, there's nobody. I wondered if, if children would be the reason for me to keep going, you know, doing it for them. And, and years and years ago, I would ask other guys I'd worked with who, you know, seemed kind of down and miserable. ask them like, well, why do you keep going? Why do you come to the job you hate? Why do you get up every day? And they say it was for their kids. Then uh, Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park killed himself on July 20th. And he had six kids. So that's when I realized, well, it, it's not having kids. That's not the magic thing that, that can keep someone from uh, ending their life. And seeing my dad not want to die, not want to leave, but slowly and fightingly, <laughs> resistantly passing. You know, I, 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 I don't feel like I can honestly say it gets better because it doesn't always get better. And I'm no longer sure that dying of old age is better than dying by suicide. Perhaps the, the worst aspect of all of this shit, of all these thoughts, of everything I'm rambling on, that's hopefully being coherent at some level. Nothing I've said so far isn't something I've said before. If change is the one constant in the universe, why do I keep coming back to the same self-destructive thoughts and patterns? This goes back to my theme of this. It's disappointment. Like, what am I fucking missing? What, have I, what do I keep getting wrong that this is where I end up? <sighs> Why don't I seek help at the first sign of feeling down? Why don't I do something about it then? Well, I guess sometimes I must. <laughs> And even during this time, there, you know, I've just been sleeping, watching TV, and eating. And I've laughed, and I've enjoyed things, and I've liked things on TV. And but since when that's all you want to do, it it just sucks. I I just pray not to get up each morning. That's when I know it's bad. When I'm I'm not hoping for something good. You know, I'm not. Not wishing for clients. I'm not wishing for the, a great job. I'm just wishing for it all to stop. I'm writing suicide notes as I drift off to sleep in my head. Part of this energy of this habit is this whole idea that I'm not worth saving that it's pointless. And again, this, this period, it, it feels worse than ever because I thought I'd made so many gains. 
I've done so much work on myself and growth and service to others. And I really thought this year was the fruit of all these labors. And it feels like it's been the exact opposite. I sometimes feel like I'm, I'm back in this state because this is my truth. Life being good is the illusion. At the same time, oh, my wife is coming, go away. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <sighs> So at the same time of feeling so apathetic, so lost, and I've been hesitant to, to call this depression, but it is, I'm depressed. And I've been suicidal and I've been researching and I've been planning and plotting. Yeah, at the same time, I know I'm not supposed to be dead because I'm still alive. For me, not being dead, despite all the thoughts and energy and research around my own dying is amazing. I, I need to and I really wish I could see that for the miracle that it is. The sense of being drawn to death, yet knowing it isn't right, is hellish. That vicious, illogical back and forth is, is the twisting knife in my soul. It is a the torture that I hope you can't relate to. I really do. But since I'm finally taking some action <laughs> and I'm sharing all this, this freaking bile, I'm sure it resonates with more people than I wish. So I don't know what's next, but I feel pretty confident I'm sticking around. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not yet glad about that. <laughs> no, I'm not. <sighs> you know, I can see the, the cowardice, the smallness, in my withdrawal and isolation. And more and more, I can see the bravery and the courage in, in speaking up, speaking out, sharing myself this disgustingly. <laughs> so will this, will tonight, will this show help me really turn the corner for, for good and be the end of this, this cycle? 
Is this show benefiting you at all? Is it benefiting me? Yeah, it is. I'm not sure how much, I'm not sure to what degree. I like to believe it is. <sighs> you know, on my own blog, on my coaching website, navitascoach.com, I would sometimes have shorter videos that I would call sharing with Andy. And uh, kind of anytime I ended up in tears, I'd call it a oversharing with Andy. So I hope this longer episode of oversharing with Andy serves you in some way. I don't know when or if real men feel will return or be new again. Give me some feedback as to if, if the show returning would be good for you or not. You know, I've got two guests that were blown off, that were scheduled and blown off, and I've got a list of other potential guests as well. I, uh, I just don't know if it matters or adds value. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. Visit realmenfeel.org. Check us out on Facebook. Send me some feedback as to I should just pack it in or you want me to do something else. Most importantly, be good to yourself. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org, join the Real Men Feel group on Facebook, and share what you thought of this show. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com.